politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, and property here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back today, Tuesday, the 12th of April. Believe it or not, that is the date that the Civil War began. The first shots were fired at Fort Sumter because there were two sides that were dug in and really strongly believed in something. And that led to war. In the era we live in, we do have a divided country to a certain extent. But what we have at a political leadership level are two political parties that agree with each other. One fake fights the other enough to get the other side of the country's voters because they can't get you know the first party's voters. And then all the while agreeing with them on everything that matters. With everything going on today, are you confident that you have political representation, that all you have to do is ride out this year and wait until the November elections, and that somehow Republicans are going to be much better? And today I want to go through first the financial aspects, fiscal, monetary aspects of everything that has been done and how Republicans have agreed to that as we all talk about inflation. Republicans agreed to all the things that have induced this insane inflation crisis. Yes, they disagree on a couple things with drilling here and there, but as it relates to the core of the long-term inflation, they agreed with all those policies. And then how those very policies that induced the inflation caused something much worse than a hit to our wallets, but a hit to our bodies, and it's still happening today with people dying left and right, long-term ailments, denial of treatment, hospitals turning into killing machines. And do you hear any Republican redressing the current issue, much less running on preventing this from happening again? Up until and including patients being denied organ transplants. We're going to have later today uh, Brian Festa, one of our favorite attorneys, civil rights attorney, on with a mother of a child who's being denied a kidney transplant. And yet here we are. I mean, I think in New Hampshire it's officially banned, although not even because I don't know if it passed the Senate yet. I don't think it's law in a single state yet. I could be wrong. To ban this. Now, you could argue it's existing law, and I think it's true, but nobody is clamping down on this. But we're to believe, you know, I saw something, oh, there's inflation, just vote Republican, vote Republican. So let's start with that. The food at home index rose today 10%. Um, the broad CPI was more than 8% over the last 12 months, the largest 12 month increase since March 1981. Now, I think most of you would agree to me, agree with me that if you go to the supermarket, most items that you care about are a lot more than 10% more expensive than this time last year. In fact, you look at things like chicken and it's doubled. Many things have literally doubled. So I don't know what's with those numbers, but it's a lot worse than what the Bureau of Economic Analysis uh, renders in their, their monthly reports. And Republicans are all like, oh, look, look at a Biden inflation, Biden inflation. But the reality is that in response to COVID, 
Congress passed over $5 trillion in spending. In response to COVID, the Federal Reserve has a $9 trillion balance sheet. Now, I know there's a lot of disagreements over what is inflation and what causes it, but to me, the basic definition was when there's more money thrown at the population than the size and speed of the growth of the economy. So Republicans signed on in March 2020 to spending trillions of dollars, a a series of cascading events that would create a need to just pump money into people's pockets, pump money into businesses, induce a shutdown, pay people not to work. So you diminished our production, our workforce, but then massively increased both the money supply and just just fiscal stimulus. And that is what we have with inflation. We have some you know, extra supply chain shocks, but most of that's from the same COVID that was induced through our policies. Remember, most countries follow CDC and America and the FDA. Had we chosen not to do any of this and to put just a fraction of that money into early treatment, this whole thing would have been over with. Congressman Thomas Massey, we had him on the show a few days after that big vote. You know, let's not forget, Republicans controlled the presidency. Trump was president. He bought into all this. They had the Senate, and they had half the state governments. The only thing they didn't have was the House, but remember that Thomas Massey was almost kicked out of the party by the minority leadership for for demanding uh, a recorded roll call vote, much less opposing that $2 trillion bill. The worst piece of legislation in American history, not just because of the spending figures and the inflationary effect that it induced, but also because that underwrote and greenlit our entire response from the lockdowns to the mandates, the loss of freedom, the loss of economic production, the funding of Pfizer and Moderna, the funding of this this just colossal genocide. So we shut down production. We increased spending from 20% of GDP to 40% of GDP overnight. And then here's the deal. What people don't realize is the more we spend on handouts that Republicans agree to, the more they're indexed to inflation, which is self-fulfilling. So, you know, like, for example, there's two things. There's taxes There's tax thresholds, like you get above a certain income and you have to pay a certain tax. Not all those things are indexed to inflation. So, for example, the millionaire surcharge of Obamacare, what is like 3.8% surtax on investment income? And that's not millionaire. That hits someone already if they have 1 million, which is a lot of people. That's not indexed to inflation. There's many things like that. Some are indexed. But all of the welfare entitlement handout spending All these programs, they're indexed to inflation. So the more funny money you you spend, the more it induces inflation. They're like, oh, look, 10% inflation this year. Guess what? We get to increase that entitlement spending 10% the next year. It's a vicious cycle. As I mentioned before, a few weeks ago, the San Francisco Fed finally admitted in seeking an explanation, meaning an explanation for why uh, things are, are going up so much, why inflation inflation is at a historic high, we turn to the combination of direct fiscal support introduced 
to counteract the economic devastation caused by the pandemic. Well, the economic devastation wasn't caused by the pandemic. It was caused by a reaction to it. But they admit it was the f- direct fiscal support. You know, um, I-, I saw recently bank account balances are about 350% higher than they were pre-pandemic. And you might think, well, that's an amazing thing. That's great. Well, it would be great if that reflected real, organic, healthy economic growth and increase in disposable income. But the reality is we haven't seen that. That's straight-up government handouts. Look, I've gotten those handouts to myself, some of them at least, not all of them, but I was eligible for some of them. They just direct deposit right into your account. Okay? A large swath of people. It's roped in. I mean, if that doesn't cause inflation, then nothing does. Republicans supported all of that. Okay? They supported the bills minus the funding for the Kennedy Center. Are you confident this won't happen again? Okay? Let's say we have Marburgs, the next thing they unleash on us. Not even a virus, but I want to just use a virus because you could already understand it. It will be easy for them to start saying, man, last thing wasn't really a problem. This thing has a much higher infection fatality rate. And Republicans will be like, yeah, yeah, we must, we must do this. That's the thing. Republicans are always opposed to the Democrats in abstract. They're always opposed to them and willing to fight them in the off season. But during the season, during the game, when the ball's in play, when you have the catalyzing civilization-changing events that will induce spending bills that shock the consciousness, they're, they're, they're on board in a second. There's literally no disagreement. So I don't want to hear this business of, oh, you know, oh, Biden's inflation and this and that. That's nonsense. There is nothing Republicans have said that have given us confidence they've changed. And that's because they haven't even changed on COVID. Do you know how unpopular the mask mandates are? Yet Republicans still won't even talk about demanding to get rid of the airplane mandate, even as the Biden's TSA is signaling they're going to continue it. I think it comes due Sunday or Monday. But that's the thing. Republicans caused this. Name me. Show me where the hearings are. The investigations. The promise from Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. I mean, we can't wait till next January. But at least next January to investigate the origin of the virus. Vaccine injury. Reparations. Treatment for it. This is the biggest issue. And of course, what's going on in the hospitals discrimination and denial of treatment it would be bad enough if it were something that you just had a regular religious exemption uh, uh concern with but but the fact that it's just killing people is crazy i want to you know get into some stories and play a clip for you but first you know if you want to blow off some steam like me take a little vacation meet up with the greatest patriots around and learn how to properly use your firearm use your handgun in a defensive situation How about joining me and Patriot Academy, my buddy Rick Green, out at the NRA Whittington Center in Colfax County, New Mexico on May 22nd for a five-day 
constitution slash handgun training course. It's about 100 bucks a day. It's 80% off the normal price. You have to pay for your own accommodations and ammo. Go right now to patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. Find out all the details. I will be there. So those of you who want to meet the mystery man behind this microphone, you can meet me in the flesh as we shoot together, we strategize together. Maybe we'll make some state teams together. So again, this is at the Whittington Center, May 22nd to 26th. Um, PatriotAcademy.com slash Daniel. You're going to learn how to properly draw from a, from a holster accurately, um, proper grip, sight alignment, trigger, uh, trigger control, and clearing malfunctions. It is the best training. I'm saying your ability to manipulate a handgun, to shoot accurately, to shoot confidently, to carry your weapon confidently will go up exponentially. I really recommend it for everyone. So again, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. So before we bring on our guests, I just want to go through a couple of stories here just um, to demonstrate how ubiquitous this is. This is a clip here from Nine Now News in Australia. And this is a group of sportscasters. They're talking about, you know, soccer injuries and everything and just people randomly being out of action, the, the blood disorders, the heart, the nausea, neurological stuff. This is fascinating. These are Aussies. Again, take a listen to this clip from Nine Now. Ollie wants to just uh, watch this space at this stage. Nothing coming out of the Port Adelaide team this morning came over. He's subbing out of the game on Thursday night for nausea slash heart reasons. He spent time in hospital and yeah, it's just a, it's a big unknown as to, as to when he will play again. It may be as soon as this week, but nothing coming out of the club at this stage. There's a lot stage. of this going on in world sport at the moment. Well, in the world. World sport. Yeah, I, I think a lot of athletes have got these issues. And are you, Brownie, referring to the booster shots and, and the, the booster contracting shots. That's obviously COVID. Yeah. Um, the word game around. Look, it's, it's been discussed. I haven't been able to get an official line on that from anyone attached to, to Ollie Wines at this stage, but yeah, the question is being asked and put to me and, and others, including yourself, uh, by a lot of people about but a possibility of that. But it's not, it's not just the heart issues. I mean, like, you know, without delving into your private affairs, um, you know, you've got Bell's yeah. palsy at the moment, which hopefully yeah. you're on the back yeah. end of that, but there's a bit of that going around as well. Yeah, exactly. It's got heart issues and Bell's palsy has gone through the roof uh, since the, the boosters and, and COVID issues, so no doubt. And we had Michael Angelo Rucci on AW on Friday night and he said that wines is it's, it's a field there's a ward filled with people with similar symptoms in Adelaide to Ollie Wines so nausea heart issues so there has to be something more to it yeah well, and, and just we're not anti-vaxxers we've all done our due diligence with our booster shots and all that sort of stuff but there is going to have to be some study done on this mm. not just in a sporting yeah. sphere yeah. but uh, a you know like a community sphere. And, and you're right though because we don't want to get into the space we're not experts in at all but but from, oh, we do two hours of that every sunday don't we? we often do that but <laughs> when it comes to the medical side we try and stay clear so isn't that interesting that even in Australia, where certainly they've been brainwashed and all of them said that they personally had three shots, but they're like, yeah, you know, we, we ought to investigate this. There sure are a lot of people dropping. Um, and they're like, yeah, and it's not just in sports, it's everywhere. And then they literally turn to one of the guys there, you could see the clip online, who currently was diagnosed with Bell's palsy. I guess it wasn't bad enough that he couldn't sit in the anchor chair there. Um, they're like, yeah, there's Bell's palsy everywhere. And, and, and this is okay. It's like, it's almost like if you would have said this at the beginning, everyone would have been alarmed. Now it's like, yeah, you know, there's probably a lot of heart attacks, 
blood clots, neurological, Bell's palsy. But, you know, that's, that's kind of what it is. It's what we do. And again, it would be one thing if this thing eradicated COVID from the face of the planet, but it made it 10 times worse. I mean, you, you can't, this is biblical. You can't make this up. But even some, even these Aussies recognized it. Name me the Republicans. None of them. At best, they'll tacitly say they oppose mandates, but then give up all their leverage and do nothing meaningful to oppose the mandates. Even as we have people being denied kidney transplants and there's no unified effort in the Republican Party to address this. But none of them want to touch the fact that putting the mandates aside, like, dude, this is poison. How could the government fund, distribute, pressure, advertise, make available, embed in every area of society, even short of a full-blown mandate? And again, this is how the Overton window moves over. Yes, Republicans are a little bit more against masks now, but that's the new Overton window. So, you know, when the next iteration comes back, you see Philadelphia's already pushing another mass mandate. So they'll do it at a citywide level. Republican-controlled states won't do it at a state level, but they'll allow localities to do it, and they'll allow hospitals and doctors and so many others to deny care for for people, including those with disabilities, um, if they don't get the shots or if they don't wear a mask, and that's fine. They're not combating it to this day. To this day, there's not a single state where a doctor or hospital cannot violate every aspect of ADA and human rights and deny treatment if you don't you don't have um, a shot or uh, or a mask. This is still going on. We think, oh, the free red states. Give me a break. And again, this is before the next iteration. You can imagine when the panic sets in. Now people have the perception, oh, it's over with. You get more panic in there, they'll go right back to it. So that's the thing. Even the Aussies get it. Then I saw an interesting news story at FiercePharma.com. J&J has a new drug out. Remember, J&J is the biggest pharmaceutical company. Um, you know, they kind of lost their mojo on the vax, but they have a lot of, you know, pharmaceuticals and medical devices. So they created, listen to this, this drug, XRELTO, X-A-R-E-L-T-O, a, blo- a blockbuster blood thinner to reduce the risk of a sudden decrease in blood flow to the legs, major amputation, amputation, Serious heart problems or stroke in PAD patients. PAD is a chronic condition, causes blood vessels to narrow, reducing the blood flow to the limbs, especially the legs. And they say normally 8.5 million people in the U.S. have been diagnosed, but it could be as many as 20 million. Gee, why do you think? Reducing blood flow, oh my gosh, especially to the brain, has been... um, is where a lot of the stroke-like things are coming from. They know. They know exactly what's going on. Don't uh, don't be fooled by that. You know, the overall U.S. life expectancy went down again last year, 2021, to 76.6, the lowest in 25 years. We have regressed. And again, the entirety of last year, the vaccines were available. What does that tell you? Again, I, I think it's both direct injury and, and I think it's the Merrick's chicken syndrome with Delta 
to this day, I'm more sure of it than ever. So when they want to say, well, this is COVID and this is the vaccine injury, they're both the same. Okay? Had we not had the shots, had we dealt with early treatment the first round and not done lockdowns and everyone would have had low-dose exposure, that would have been good enough to achieve herd immunity. What the vax did, among many other things, is it juiced up the virus so the low-dose exposure a lot of people had wasn't enough if they didn't have kind of a full-blown infection. And that's why it kept going and going and going, even though it looks like it looked like we hit that brick wall initially. Meanwhile, Richard Hirschman, that embalmer in Alabama, he sent me more pictures, literally two, three feet long. Fibrin Frankenstein blood clots, meaning that they're not like a blood clot is usually a clump. It's not something that's contiguous, that's you know, you could stretch in like a snake long fiber-like structure. I mean, they're disgusting. He sent me these pictures and um, he confirmed with me that a lot of them were taken out of arteries. Again, this is the exit from the heart, not the return to the heart. You don't usually have even regular blood clotting there. It's more in the veins. And he's seeing this all the time now. He's never seen it before the shots. It's everywhere. Everyone's like, well, that's when the bodies, you know, you know, sit for a while. So he's like, he normally gets them a few hours later in the funeral home. That's when he does it. So it, a lot of times he said one of them, the body was still kind of warm. So it's not a function of sitting around. And the fact is that even if it did, it's not like he's ever seen that in all of his years anyway. I haven't seen anyone who did. But this is where we are with that, folks. You know, another thing I'm hearing from a lot of doctors, Epstein-Barr, that's a form of mono. You know, a lot of the fatigue and people are just out of it and they can't function. That people who had Epstein-Barr mono-like illnesses, you're seeing like a massive percentage, almost a majority, relapsing into it after getting the shots. This, we need to catalyze some sort of revolution in independent medical freedom. Our life expectancy is going down. Remember, the biotech, the technology has increased life expectancy. But what has gone backwards are the therapeutics, the treatments, the doctor-patient relationship. That, that's what's gone backwards. So like with cancer, you know, I've gotten into it and this is really my next big project. Um, so you're going to hear a lot, a lot of it from me in, in, the, in the coming days. So on the one hand, it kind of seems like we've made some advances, but if you look carefully, that's all because surgery has gotten better and early detection has gotten better. But in terms of our mindset on how we treat it, looking at chemo and only chemo and coming out with more chemo drugs that are a fortune and not looking at so many things. So many cheap repurposed drugs that are anti-inflammatory, immune-boosting, close off various um, pathways for tumors to grow, or um, like I, I was, I spent I spent a long time last night researching nitazoxanide. Google nitazoxanide and cancer, and it's unbelievable the stuff you'll find. The papers written on it the last few years or so. More, more pretty recently, sometimes dating back a decade ago, nitazoxanide truly is a wonder drug. 
Um, and, and one of the things with things like uh, colon, ovarian cancer, several others, the reason why they're problematic is because they have a, a, a genetic makeup that makes them resistant to chemo-like treatment. Um, meaning even the ones that aren't, they, they, this is the problem, they're mutagenic and they tend to come back at you. But, but these, often it just doesn't, it's resistant. It just does, doesn't even work on the face of it. And that's, that's what kills so many people. So nitazoxanide, you know, I, I don't, the science is too deep for me, but I was on the phone with uh, Dr. Cole last night going through some of this research and it shuts off, it's, it's antagonistic to some of those genes in, in things like colon cancer. It's, it's unbelievable. This is a drug that's so safe. It's given to toddlers for, for you know, stomach ailments driven by viruses like rotavirus or certain parasitic ailments. And it is FDA approved. Where's the research money on that? So again, this is something that we are going to get in the future. But we got to get to our guests. You got you to hear this as maddening as it is. Now, as I mentioned before, one of the most barbaric aspects of this entire biomedical state that's been created over the last two years, really has been in the works for, for longer, is the denial of treatment, including organ transplants, to those who don't get the shot. So it doesn't matter what your prior immunity status is. It doesn't matter what your risk factors are. It doesn't matter how dangerous um, the shots are to you. You know, literally, as I'm recording this now, Dr. Peter McCullough just put out there's another paper out on hepatitis C relapsing from the shots um, that has a lot to do with the lipid nanoparticles depositing in the liver. So what if someone needs a liver transplant? We'll say you need to go and get something that could deposit in your liver. I mean, it is unbelievable. It's fact-free. Um, religious objections uh, don't don't apply. Um, we've never seen this in history. And just remember, this is not the only shot, and they're going to do this with other shots. And today's story really brings out this this issue. You know, um, we've been told recently that the the greatest uh, thing you can do for humanity is put up a Ukrainian flag to virtue signal. Well, you know, Daniel and Jenna Campo and Jenna is with us today. She actually engaged in real virtue, not just virtue signaling, and adopted a 17-year-old last year took as a daughter from Ukraine and, you know, to start a family together. But then she needed a kidney transplant, and now it's being denied by Spectrum Health, Helen DeVos Children's Hospital in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I've heard way too many of these, and I'm just, this has become my mission the last couple of weeks, and I'm determined to help fight this legally and politically, and I know you guys are as well, so I want you guys to listen carefully because this reverberates in many different ways. And I just want to say before we bring on uh, uh, Brian and Jenna here, you know, this is what true empathy is, true virtue is. A lot of people, and this includes Republicans, they think COVID is over, COVID mandates are over, oh, it's fine, it's fine, let's move on. Now, they might be over for the average person if you don't have a job or a medical condition that makes you interact with some of these demonic individuals. But the people for whom it harms the most, 
Okay, the people that do have chronic conditions. So they do have to go to a doctor and constantly, you know, wear a mask or get shots against their medical device or their religious beliefs. Well, that's devastating. And that's still going on and it's actually getting worse. So with us today is Brian Festo, who's no stranger to see our podcast. He is um, the co-founder of WeThePatriotsUSA.org, which is helping out on numerous fronts for medical and religious freedom, as well as Jenna Kempo from uh, Michigan, who is the mother of this daughter and going through this ordeal, here to tell her story. Uh, Jenna and Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Daniel. You're uh, welcome. Yes. Yeah, so, so Jenna, I want to get to your story, but first, let's kind of work backwards here and now. Um, so, Brian, what are you announcing today in terms of legal action? So, thanks again for having me on, Daniel. We the Patriots USA is taking on the case of Jenna Campos' daughter, who is being denied a life-saving treatment, a kidney transplant. She has end-stage renal disease. Jenna will tell you more about that. She's being denied, Daniel, not only because of her refusal based on her sincerely religious beliefs uh, and also medical concerns, and Jenna can get to that as well, uh, to take the COVID shot, but also because of the flu shot. And this is what's so dangerous about this from a legal perspective, because the precedent this is setting is that, okay, it's not just during the height of a pandemic anymore. It's not just where, when we're in emergency lockdowns anymore. Now it's going to be any time you need life-saving treatment, yep. they can deny you or your child that treatment on the basis of not only refusing the COVID shot, but any shot. I mean, when did you hear prior to 2020 or 2021, when did you hear about anyone being denied an organ transplant for not getting the flu shot? You didn't. It, it just it, it never happened. And so now that's become the new standard. So even if this isn't affecting you personally right at this moment, you should be very, very concerned about this case, because if this is allowed to stand, um, if, if we don't fight this right now in court and get the precedent that this is illegal and this cannot be done, then this will become the new standard of care in every hospital in the United States. You will not be able to get a transplant, or any other life-saving treatment if you don't have every one of these shots. That's scary. So we are stepping to the plate, uh, coming once again to the defense of a patriot in need, in this case, Jenna Campo. You can find out. We have a fundraiser on our website at wethepatriotsusa.org. You'll see right there at the top of the page a fundraiser for Jenna's daughter. Um, and share that far and wide. Uh, donate if you can. Share it far and wide because... This girl, I mean, this is a matter of life and death right now. It is unbelievable. We're hearing way too many of these cases. And again, I, I urge you guys to go to wethepatriotsusa.org. My understanding, Brian, is that this is kind of your full-time thing now. So if you guys want to email me, Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com, um, let me know if you guys have your own predicament that's similar to this. Uh, he can't take on everything, but increasingly your your firm is taking on more more cases, and I know a lot of people email me with all sorts of issues, whether it's losing their job, being discriminated against. So this is a big problem. Um, before getting to Jenna, I just want to say it's interesting you mentioned the flu shot. We talked about yesterday how there is just endless literature about the flu shot diminishing your T-cell production, particularly in children. So those that are in 
organ failure and then get an organ transplant. In particular, they're immunosuppressed, so they need as many T-cells as they can get. It's literally the opposite of what you would do medically, even before you get into religious concerns with tampering with God's immunological ecosystem, which we could certainly appreciate now. So, so Jenna, I want to get to your story. Um, you know, it's very... I couldn't imagine what it's like to adopt. It seems like it's a very arduous process. Could you describe, you know, the period of time when you were able to get your daughter united with you in the U.S., and then when you found out that she had a a renal failure? Yes, um, and thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this um, and the points that you've already made, but... Um, basically, uh, we actually met our daughter to be clear back in 2012 when we were on a family trip in Ukraine. Um, we had already adopted our son from uh, the same uh, institution. And, you know, it was very much a God thing. We just ended up meeting her. and um, But it wasn't until 2019 that she actually became officially um, available for adoption. And so we started that process and, um, a- brought her home, um, in June of 2021. Um, and we already knew that she had, uh, some definite serious kidney issues. Um, but sometimes, uh, you know, adoptions sometimes don't come with complete records and reasons for, you know, whatever treatments the kids have gone through. So we didn't, we knew we didn't have a full picture. Uh, But anyway, we brought her home. And uh, by August of 2021, um, she was, she had declined um, quite a bit and ended up uh, going on uh, a regular dialysis schedule starting at that time and um, had already been confirmed that she was um, stage four, if not stage five, which is end stage mm-hmm. renal disease. So um, uh, she has only one kidney um, and, uh, and her remaining kidney is, is very obviously not working properly. So, so at that point, um, you know, we were, we can go on from there however you want to want to question me but that in a nutshell that's the story of our first couple of months with her last summer wow so this first couple of months and again to be clear she only has one kidney to begin with so that's why this is a matter of life and death because even more critical yes yeah and that's why she's on dialysis because right now there's zero functioning kidneys um okay so you obviously knew right away you'd be have to be put on the transplant uh, list. Could you talk about the timeline of uh, getting on the list and their the treatment in the hospital and how that changed once they found out you didn't want to give her the shot? Right. So we've been learning on our feet. We we have other special needs kids, um, but but end stage renal disease, anything along that line is is. You know, we're rookies, so we're learning on our feet. Um, Initially, when they confirmed her diagnosis and just how serious her situation is, um, they started talking right away about getting her on the transplant list by the end of 2021. That was, you know, their stated goal. And really, 
kind of like first time parents don't know what questions to ask always. Um, you know, in our situation, we just were trusting that they knew what they were doing and they were doing the things um, to move forward toward getting on the transplant list. And we really didn't know everything that that involved. Um, uh, but we understood that the goal was to get her on the transplant list by the end of 2021. And then um, <clears throat> within a couple of months after she got onto dialysis, um, we were, we were um, you know, first informed that, that if, if we were questioning or resisting um, vaccines and the, and it, we were just discussing the flu vaccine at first um, that they, they considered that uh, non-compliance and uh, you know, they would involve the authorities if, <laughs> if they saw fit to do that. Um, and so we responded to that first of all, by asking them for a written copy of exactly what their required protocol is so that we wouldn't be surprised by anything else and you know would be able to sit down as a household and look at that and pray about it and consider you know how to respond and um, that really was never produced in writing uh, until about 24 hours ago actually. Um, we were just kind of referred to various um, departments of the hospital and people that we might want to talk to. And at first we thought, well, there must be some room, some wiggle room here. Maybe, you know, they're willing to negotiate on some of these things, but it has become very clear that that's not the case at all. And they did file a, a report on us yesterday. Well, wait, wait a minute. So I buried the lead here. Um, could you elaborate on that? I was saying they, they denied your daughter the ability to be on the transplant list for not getting, I guess, the COVID shot and the flu shot. But you're saying it's more than that. Not only did they deny it, but then they reported you to Child Protective Services? Yes. Um, yes, that's correct. So I should back up a little bit just so that people understand a little bit more about the, um, the process of trying to get on the transplant list. Uh, we did not know until January that there's actually something called an evaluation process. I mean, you would just think that that was happening immediately with someone in our daughter's condition, but apparently there isn't an official uh, beginning of the all the technical layers of the evaluation process to even get on the transplant list until they see a certain level of compliance. Mm. Um, and so, so they have resisted, um, they have resisted that evaluation process, let alone, um, um, you know, accepting her into their, their onto their transplant list. Um, and it's all about uh, it's all about the fact at this point that they are insisting on a combination of vaccines, including the COVID, 
and a number of others we can talk about if you want to that we uh, just all along have have felt we just could not go along with. Now, have you ever engaged them in conversation? Because in the ensuing months that this has gone on, it has become quite evident that there's negative efficacy, right? The shots clearly don't work. Everyone who gets the shot seems to get it and get the virus sometimes even multiple times because it depletes their natural immunity. Um, Are they phased by that? I mean, their colleagues in the hospital, I'm sure, have been out with COVID after having gotten the shot. So they haven't changed at all. Like, hey, you know, this, this... thing is kind of an outdated shot. It's a different virus now. It changed, so it's not worth fighting over it. Has any logic worked? No, not at all. Uh, We've brought up some of those points in some of the conversations that they suggested. And um, in January at uh, something called a care conference that they offered where we could sit down with all of the people on our daughter's team and um, discuss these things together. Um, and when I look at, um, the after visit notes on her, my chart, it's as if we never brought up any of these things and the patient relations and ethics committee, um, in a phone call that I had with them several months ago, suggested that I draft an email and just basically lay out bullet points and include links or whatever I felt was appropriate to, explain our objections uh and again it was it was as if it had never been said um wow wow this is um yeah i mean it's it's very clear they they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to talk about the medicine the the science the issues it's just it's just kind of an idolatry at this point so the obvious question people are probably wondering at this point did you go Elsewhere, were you able to say, okay, let's move her out of here and try to go to a different hospital? Well, when we started seeing these red flags and 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 realizing that uh, we really were not being heard, um, we did start to uh, investigate um, other transplant programs around the country. Um, I got on some forums online with other families going through similar things and uh, just started going down a phone list and talking to people. And we had narrowed it down to, um, we did go to a facility in Indiana uh, just last month um, because I had talked to them on the phone and uh, been assured at the point that I talked to them that they did not require the COVID vaccine in particular. Um, and we ended up getting down there and consulting with this doctor. And about 20 minutes into our conversation, she said, well, uh, I was in touch with your facility. I let them know to tell you that we have changed our policy as of January 1 of 2022. They now require the COVID vaccine at their facility as well. So it's just been such a strange thing to watch different facilities for, you know, reasons behind the scenes that are even now just a couple of months ago uh, deciding that they are going to require that. So it's Um, important for people to realize when when we start talking about this, this was like the crazy stories. Like, could you imagine that they denied a transplant to this person? And now it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's 
it, it, you'd, be, you'd be hard-pressed to find a place that doesn't require it. Is that correct? Yes. Um, yes. Uh, I'm told, even even the doctor in, in uh, Indiana told us that to her knowledge at the beginning of March, she felt that there were maybe 40% of the facilities that were not requiring that uh, particular uh, shot, but that really has not been my experience calling places yep. all over the country. Yep, and it, it's it really, really doesn't matter. It's really been hard to find anybody who's not pushing it now. It doesn't matter, red state, blue state. And again, this is one of the big lies that, oh, we don't have mandates in the state business that all these Republican governors are saying. They absolutely do. Mm-hmm. And they have them really in the worst, most devastating, most demonic ways. You know, um, you know, some of the other stuff was annoying, but this is this is life and death. And that's why this is, you know, what you're saying is so important. Could you get back to the CPS issue Child Protective Services. So could you update us on what happened there? Where do things stand? Have you been threatened that they'll they'll come after your daughter? Well, when it was first brought up last fall, um, when I declined the flu shot for her, um, I asked the hospital social worker about that. Um, you know, I just was appalled in the first place. Um you know, I my our oldest daughter is 30, and as I learned about different things, even when she was a baby, um, I, you know, I would question things with our pediatrician, and if I declined something, you know, that was the end of the conversation, and and we didn't have the pressure back then, and I naively thought that <laughs> that that was still the case, and it's obviously not anymore. Uh, but anyway, uh, so last fall, uh, CPS was brought up, and I asked the social worker at the hospital immediately, you know, what does that mean? Are you saying that this this young lady that we just brought home um, that that you would that this is so such a I don't know sacred cow that you would actually risk her being removed from our home and um, because that's the picture that we all have in our mind when we receive such a threat. And uh, she said, well, um, you know, I don't think it would come to that, but it would be up to CPS. And um, so that's been hanging over our head, of course. And um, and uh, my understanding was that the that the report had actually been filed uh, last Friday but it was not filed until yesterday. Um, but the bottom line in my conversation with that social worker, and it's been repeated since then, is that their goal is basically to use CPS to force um, whatever they they want to require in order to get her on the transplant list. Wow. And... Um, so and it, any religious objections or safety objections or any of that, they just do not matter in their paradigm. And and facts don't matter either. It's, it's kind of funny because what you're talking about last fall when you got hit up for the flu shot, it's literally, I mean, you could just Google it, H3N2, the flu this season, everyone admits the, the shot literally didn't work. Um, and it's, it's, it you know probably never does. And... This is unbelievable. 
Um, also, I mean, Brian, if if uh, you need uh, doctors to draw upon, nephrologists, expert witnesses, and data, I mean, we have we have several studies that have been conducted on transplant patients, and literally the shots, even when they allegedly worked with the original strain, they never stimulated immunity with those people. I mean, it's literally only mm-hmm. risk, no return. Um, that was known. Yep. In fact, every study that has ever been done on transplant patients, the Toronto uh, Transplant Center, Mayo Clinic, um, it's 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 a fact-free zone. It, it it I mean, they're the ones who actually have a religious belief. That's that's the truth. Um, so so Brian, I wanted to um just discuss the CPS thing because I've heard this in other contexts. Uh, not just the denial of transplants, and if you don't get the shot, we'll call CPS. It's a minor child, but just in general, what's been going on in, with medical kidnapping in hospitals? Like, you know, if if, if you have a kid with a brain tumor and, and you want to go to one of our doctors' clinics to maybe, I don't know, do hyperbaric oxygen and and you know off label um, drugs that that have anti tumor effects, anti inflammatories, because you don't want to go through, let's say, a form of chemo that you think won't work and will just do harm. They could say, well, that's against science, so to speak, you know, their version of it. And once it's against that, well, if it's a minor, it's rendered child neglect, and and you know, we could call CPS on you. Wh- where do the laws stand on this, or does this vary state to state? Well, it definitely um, varies a bit from state to state. Definitely in the in the red states or the redder states, um, you're going to, in general, have less problems than you will in the deep blue states. But that's not always the case. Um, you know, the state uh, still has way too much power, even in the red states, um, over parental rights, over parental autonomy. Um, and it's really dangerous and it's really a scary thing that's going on right now in the United States. And so what needs to happen, I'm glad you mentioned medical kidnapping, because that's exactly what's happening right now. These doctors, Daniel, need to find themselves in court. That's what this case is about. We need to bring the doctors, and if the state does try to take her daughter, they will find themselves in court as, as well. Right now, they haven't done that. So right now, you know, they're not even a, a defendant yet, because they haven't taken any action against her. If they do, though, rest assured, they will be named as a defendant in this case. Um, And it's just absolutely criminal what's happening right now. There is no scientific evidence to support that you need to have a flu shot or a COVID shot in order to get a kidney transplant. In fact, the science says quite the opposite, as you correctly stated at the outset of this interview. And I have a world-renowned nephrologist who happens to be a very good friend of mine, that I'm actually scheduled to call as soon as I finish this interview with you today um, to hopefully serve as an expert witness for us. So uh, they will have to answer the science in court. That's the other reason this case is so important. They will absolutely be called on the carpet about that and be asked to defend and prove their position. And we are very confident they won't be able to. Indeed. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's literally an expired shot at best. At worst, the evidence seems to show we've presented a lot from, uh, you know, the East Asian countries that the H2A, whatever, B2A and the B2 whatevers, there's a few versions of that. They almost seem to exclusively hit those with the shot. It almost seems to be that it's producing it. It's uh, mutating around it. 
it's it's Orwellian. I mean, and 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 as Jenna mentioned, some of these hospitals they only began with the mandate after the shot was completely outdated, expired. Right. Um. It's kind. Of, I mean, even in their realm, if you ignore all the harm and everything we talk about, it would be like mandating the shot from a flu shot from four years ago. The four years ago version of the flu shot. It literally makes no sense on the face of it, even if you believe in medical tyranny. Um, just from a scientific standpoint. So where do things stand legally? There's been a number of these transplant cases. Has there been any hearing, much less statement, ruling, opinion from a judge yet? I have not seen a case like this one um, go all the way through to a trial um, yet, as far as uh, opinions or motions that have been filed. There are various ones. It's hard to keep up. With everything, because as you know, we do a whole lot here, and we have so much being thrown at us. Um, in some cases, on the on the private level, outside of court, the hospitals have backed down uh, when attorneys, and we have wonderful attorneys uh, who work on cases like this um, across the country. Not many, not as many as we should, but sometimes they will back down because they want to stay out of court, and we're hoping that's what happens here. So uh, we don't necessarily have a lot of court decisions or precedent which is why we need precedent. Um, if, if this hospital really wants to push it, they're going to have a lot to answer for because this is not just about the, the science. I, I know that's what you discuss a lot in your show, and we definitely intend to bring that up, but there's also the religious discrimination angle. So they're going to have to answer to those counts as well. Title II of the Civil Rights Act makes it illegal to discriminate against someone in a place of public accommodation on the basis of their religious beliefs. Well, guess what? Hospitals are places of public accommodation. They're defined that way in the law. Yes. So anyone who discriminates, any doctor who discriminates on the basis of religious belief is violating that law. And uh, the Department of Health and Human Services also has an Office of Civil Rights within it, which was created under the Trump administration, to address this kind of discrimination in hospitals and doctor's offices. Uh, they're going to have to deal with that, as well as state law in Michigan that protects against religious discrimination in places of public accommodation. So they have a variety of counts they're going to have to answer. And um, listen, if they, want, if they want this to go all the way, then we're more than happy to do that. We're more than ready to do that. We would rather this be resolved quickly because this girl's life is at stake. All right, yeah. That's more important even than the precedent. But if they want to push it to that level, that will help not only this girl, but it will help thousands or millions of people across the country who are in need of critical life-saving medical care and are being told they can't get it. Listen, <laughs> this is not the first transplant case that has come to our doorstep. Um, it's the first major one that we've been able to take on. We have limited funding. We have a lot of people reaching out to us, kidney transplants, heart transplants. Um, you've sent me some cases, um, Daniel, already to, to review. Uh, but this is the first major one that we're taking on, and uh, we just really want people to know how important this is, even if this isn't affecting you personally right at this moment. All of us at some point in our lives are probably going to need some kind of medical treatment, surgery, yes. something life-saving. And do you want to be five years from now, ten years from now in a situation, or your children in a situation like this where they need something critically and are being told no because they're not up to date on every shot, including the COVID's fifth booster, sixth booster, tenth booster of the COVID shot, that they can't get the treatment. 
And that was that's what was so smart about what they did. They gave the impression that they were about to require these to walk into any store. So once they said, eh, no, we're not going to do that, everyone's like, oh, it's over with. But life is not just about the daily going to venues and stores. It's it's the big stuff, and that they've totally retained. They've intensified. This has become the rule, not the exception from what I've seen uh, across the country. And you allow this precedent to, to remain. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – it could be even admission to an ER or, or if not an ER. You know. Right. And, and, and anyone who thinks this is, this is over, even on the widespread public level, needs to look no further than Shanghai, what's going on right <laughs> Now, in, in Shanghai, this is not over, folks. As goes China, so goes yeah. the United States. Look what happened yeah. in 2020. In January of 2020, we saw lockdowns that weren't even half as bad as what's happening in Shanghai right now. And then within two months, it was widespread across the United States. Mark my words, what's happening there is coming back here, especially because it's an election year. The midterm elections, a lot of gubernatorial elections, that's why they're going to do it. People think, oh, it's an election year. They would never do this in an election year. Excuse me? They, this is when they do it. They did it in 2020 because it was an election. You know, this is why they do it, because they want people to stay home. They want people to have to do mail-in voting. And we can get into the whole voter fraud thing another time. But yep. that's, this is why they want to do it. So you should be fully prepared that what you experienced in 2020 is very likely to come back in 2022. So, so we have to be ready for this. This is why we need funding, Daniel. I talk about it a lot, not only for this case, but for everything that's coming. It's on the horizon. It hasn't gone away. It's not going away. These evil SOBs, once they get a taste, once they get a taste of this power and they've got it, they're not going to let it go. You don't think they're going to let this go anytime soon, do you? Just no. remember, so we, we, there are 15 other Moderna mRNAs in the pipeline, including an RSV triple combo due to be out next fall. So, Right. Right. Exactly. And, and, and that's what's so scary. And listen, this is personal for me because my son, as you know, was very seriously injured by a flu shot when he was just a baby. All right. And so he has a lifelong autoimmune condition, actually multiple autoimmune conditions, uh, serious immunological uh, deficiencies, uh, needs to get uh, very expensive treatments every week for it. And his immunologist has confirmed it was because of the flu shot. Okay, so this is very, very personal for me that they're requiring someone who's already in a compromised, severely compromised uh, immunological state to be getting a flu shot. If she gets a flu shot, she's most likely going to die. If she gets a COVID shot, she is almost certainly going to die. All right. And I'm not a doctor, but you don't have to be a doctor to see that. The science proves that out. As, you, as you've spoken about on your show, Daniel. So please, if anyone... Uh, can please support this case. Go to wethepatriotsusa.org. You'll see the flyer on there for the uh, kidney transplant case. Uh, and share it, share it, share it, because we are so heavily censored in social media. That's the other thing. Your podcast is a blessing to us. We love coming on your show. And everyone at Blaze Media, uh, Steve Dace has had us on as well multiple times. We, we love it because it's a way around the censorship. Because if I try to put this out on Twitter or Facebook, I'm lucky if I get you know, five, six yep. people viewing it. It's no only empathy. through programs like yours that we're able to get the word out. No compassion, no empathy. And just before we go, um, Jenna, I want to come back to you. Your daughter, you know, she's technically a minor, but she is 17. She's not five. Uh, so certainly does have a mind of her own. What does she feel throughout all of this? 
Yes. Well, you know, there are extra layers to that because she was recently adopted. She came out of the institutional system in Ukraine. And um, so just the idea of of having free choice and a voice for herself is something that she's really only just now learning anyway. Um, but we have had lengthy conversations um you know, little by little, at first, we didn't tell her a lot about the pressure because we didn't want to scare her. And, you know, she's she's just getting a command of the English language. And so there's just so many layers. But oh, as wow, time yeah. has gone on, first of all, when we were still in Kiev, hadn't even brought her home yet, the subject of the COVID vaccine came up. And she said that she absolutely never wanted it. Um, that actually, interestingly, when um, they came to her institution to give it, it was only given to the boys and to the um, to the um, orphanage staff who were past childbearing age. So we thought that was very interesting. Huh. None of the girls received it. Um, anyway, but she saw, she witnessed for herself that some people were injured. And so she had already decided before we even brought her home that she wanted nothing to do with that particular vaccine. And as time has gone on and she's more at peace, just expressing herself in general, um, you know, she has said that she, she does not want these. Um, Mm. so. Well, that's, that's important. And I guess she'll, she'll be turning 18 within the year. Yes, in just a few months, and that's critical, too. Um, Another piece of the transplant picture is that um, we would very much, I mean, we wouldn't wish the need for a transplant on anyone to begin with. We wish for a miracle, but short of a miracle, she needs a transplant as soon as possible. If she gets on the transplant list before she turns 18 in July, she will always have pediatric priority, meaning that her wait time would be um, 9 to 12 months. <clears throat> if her, um, excuse me, <clears throat> if her, um, her entrance onto the transplant list is delayed until after she turns 18, her wait time will be uh, at around four to six years. Oh, my. So it's critical uh, that she that she not be denied this opportunity. Wow. So that's, I mean, you guys need a lot of prayers and additional to, to support. Again, there's a, uh, a funding page for uh, this case at wethepatriotsusa.org. Um, we will definitely keep everyone updated on this, and I'm sure our audience will respond generously. Uh, Brian and Jenna, thanks so much for joining us. And Jenna, we we pray for you. We wish you well. And we're going to turn the corner on this. Yeah, thank, thank you, you very much. If I, can, if I can say one one last thing, because I didn't mention the the goal is fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. Um, All right, this, we'll we'll get there for this case. Everybody knows. And um, please follow us on Telegram as well, because we will have updates. And that's the best way to follow us for updates about this case and all of our other litigation on We the Patriots USA on Telegram. Thanks. Telegram. Perfect. Take care. God bless. So, folks, listening to something like that, there's nothing right. There's nothing left. Now you can understand why I want to rename this show. It's not about conservative or liberal or anything. What is this? Who are we? What are we? This is utterly insane. And and 
I thought that last point was very salient with the daughter already knowing that it's a problem. She's 17, came from Ukraine, learning a new language. Imagine, you know, being in a war-torn country, something like that, and you're going to be adopted by American parents. Like, wow, I get to go to the United States of America. And then you come and you see what's what's waiting for you at the other side with our medical system. It's like, what? It's so sad. It's so sad. That's why we need a beacon. America, as we know it, is gone, but we need a piece of it, a place where we can go. And I will reiterate, if, if God gave me one wish, if I had one piece of legislation to pass, one thing, that is the most important, it's this point, that it is never okay to force another human being to take a positive action against their body, to to actively take a, a treatment, a procedure, a therapeutic, anything, a medical device. We need a constitutional amendment in every state. It is criminal that we haven't been able to get it through these Republican states. We need to have an emergency session, all of them, to pass it through statute, and then you know, as soon as possible, because there's different rules in different states, to get it on the ballot as a constitutional amendment that you, the government can't force you and you cannot be discriminated against on account of not getting that treatment um, in the realm of public accommodation and medical care is certainly it. If, if we don't stand for that, we stand for nothing. We're going to continue fighting for this and many more other issues. We're out of time today. Until tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.